In the small city of Twin Falls, Idaho, there's a national powerhouse for basketball at the collegiate level. College of Southern Idaho is an amazing junior college basketball program, and today we get to talk to the associate head coach of the program. You do not want to miss this episode of The Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What is up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Uh, another week, another amazing interview. We get to learn from another sports figure here. And this time, it's it's a local individual. Before we get started, I got to give a massive shout out to all the listeners who have helped the show grow over the past four years as we're coming up on year number four. And uh, major shout out, we've reached 88 different countries, over 57,000 downloads. And it still continues to grow. So we appreciate every single one of you guys. If you have not done so, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know, you know what you liked, what was your favorite episode. Um, and it just helps the, the credibility of the show. If you guys can, leave me a review. Also, major shout-out to 208 Printing, uh, presenting sponsor of the podcast. These guys get me taken care of with all my merchandise, and they can help you guys out too. So make sure to go to madeby208.com if you guys want to be a walking billboard, if you've got teams, if you've got businesses, whatever you want to represent. 208 Printing, support local. These guys are fantastic. So getting into the podcast, guys, I'm super, super excited to have this guest on the show. Now, he may not know this yet, but I'm going to talk about it in a second. But this is a guy that I actually remember playing high school ball. Um, he was close to my age. I graduated in 2006. And so I've kind of watched his journey from afar as well. He's a coach, the associate head coach over at College of Southern Idaho. His name's Ryan Lundgren. Ryan, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Shane. I'm excited to uh, chop it up and talk some basketball today. It'll be fun. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So so Coach Lundgren, you're, you're over at CSI. Before you ever got to CSI, though, I mean, you've got a, a background in sports that uh, stems before the coaching side of things. Talk to us about your upbringing, kind of what sports you participated in. I, I mean, I just mentioned you, you played basketball, I believe, at Boise. You were a year behind me, if I'm not mistaken, or you were really close because I graduated in 06. Uh, but I do remember you there for some reason. And so... Um, just talk to us a little bit about your sports background before you ever got into the coaching realm. Yeah, well, I don't know what you remember because I, I wasn't a very good player, uh, but I did play at Boise High, um, you know, played there for a few years. And, um, you know, I think before my high school playing days, uh, basketball was always a game that I really enjoyed. It goes back to kind of my youth. Um and I kind of always knew I wanted to coach, um, you know, and I didn't play college basketball, which I think uh, for a lot of college coaches is, is rare. I mean, there definitely are a lot of us that never played at the collegiate level, but um, you're definitely in the minority um, when you're coaching collegially and didn't play at that level. But I think I've always had a passion for it. And I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of really, really good mentors from a young age. Um, to where it's really helped me expand as a coach and prepare me for, you know, the position I'm in today and future roles that I may be in in my career moving forward. So, um, you know, yeah, I, like you said, I graduated from Boise High in 2007. Um, I got into high school coaching right away. I spent three years at Bishop Kelly High School um, as a sub-varsity coach. 
Um, so I was 18 years old when I first got in at, at Bishop Kelly coaching and then uh, went back to my alma mater, Boise High, for a year um, and then got on Coach Rice's staff at Boise State, spent four years there as a director of player development. Um, then I actually went back to high school ball and was a head coach at Valley View High School in Caldwell for four years um, before taking the job here um, a year and a half ago at CSI. So I'm going into my second season at CSI, my second year overall on staff and uh, absolutely loving it. It's a great place and a great program. So uh, that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Man, you, you've got quite the journey, quite honestly. It's uh, it's it's absolutely crazy uh, what you've been able to accomplish. And like you said, I mean, you didn't play collegiately. And the fact that you've been able to, you know, continue to learn and improve as a coach, it's you got a pretty great reputation as a coach. And so that speaks volumes to your skill set. Uh, let's talk about your time at Valley View. This is one thing I wanted to bring up um, is culture. You know, before you got to Valley View, that culture, when I was in high school, Valley View was a solid program. And even a couple of years after I graduated high school and there was some downslopes, you know, that, that's what happens with certain programs. But you came in there and you immediately helped change the culture there. Talk to us a little bit about culture and what goes into potentially changing the culture and making sure that you go from what was like once OK to lose. And now you've changed to expecting to win. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I shared a memory on, you know, memories come up years later on Facebook, which is kind of cool because you can kind of look back and reflect on stuff. My first home game at Valley View, we played Caldwell and we were coming off a win, which was the first win. And, you know, they had won one game, I think, the year before. And it was my first year there. We beat Timberline and we played Caldwell at home. And we had a thousand plus people there. I mean, it was packed and we won a really close game. So I shared this memory and Mike Chatterton, if you remember the name, legendary coach there, he won two state titles. He commented on it and he said something to the effect of, man, what you did at Valley View was incredible. And, you know, and I just said, listen, you're the godfather, Mike. Like I didn't even win a state title. Uh, I got to one. I didn't win it. But um, that speaks to what you just said. Valley View, when I was in high school too, you know, you say we're similar ages. Valley View was really good. Um, they were contending for state titles every year, and that was when Mike was the head coach. And I think that, you know, then they had some years where they were down, several years, probably about 10 years, where they just weren't all that competitive. Um, and part of that is just how the landscape of the Treasure Valley shifted and the growth that happened in Meridian and Boise, and I think that they struggled to compete. Um, you know, you said culture, and that's something that when I took that job, I really wanted to try to focus on because, you know, at the high school level, you deal with kind of what you have, you know, like what players you have in your school. Um, we got a handful of transfers when I was there, which helped us be more competitive, um, but we also had to make the most of the kids that we had in that school, and I think culture was what kind of, um, you know, built that thing from the ground up and got us back to a really competitive level. And we just tried to make it fun. We tried to make it more about family and more about the school. Like I wanted our guys to really appreciate being Valley View Falcons and representing that school rather than just basketball. But, you know, basketball was our avenue to represent the school. And so um, I think we really focused on that, loving each other, fighting for each other, supporting each other, other sports, other kids, um, and just making it kind of an event to come to the basketball game. And, and I think the culture really took off. And then the older guys set the tone for the younger guys as they moved up. So they knew the expectation and um, it really helped us kind of build that thing and, and build some momentum moving forward in those four years. So, For sure, man. And I, I do remember a couple of players coming out of Valley View during your time that were there. 
that were some solid athletes. I actually caught them on the club level when I was covering some of the club ball around here, which you also have experience in in, in coaching and so forth. And I just remember um, some of those those players coming out of there. I was like, dang, these these are some athletes. Where'd they come from? Like, and it's cool that you were part of that uh, that bringing. Now, do you have a what was your favorite memory coaching at Valley View during those four years? I mean, obviously seeing the program continue to like rise again, but what was your favorite memory overall? Do you have a favorite game or, or anything like that? Man, there's so many. Um, there's so many that have just different memories. I mean, obviously making the state championship, that whole run leading up to it was unbelievable. We were kind of a Cinderella team. Burley was the one seed. We, we beat them in the first round. Um, Amaro Lotto was a sophomore. He's now playing for us at CSI. Um, he comes in as a sophomore. He'd been suspended most of the year and he drops 30 in the first round game as uh, you know, that was incredible, uh, playing in the state championship, losing in overtime, which was obviously unfortunate, but getting to play Preston, who's been a dynasty in the state for years. Um, my last, you know, home game there, um, we play, we hosted a district championship against Columbia. We had 2000 plus people there. I mean, it was upper deck full, lower decks full standing room only. They had to turn people away and just to have that type of energy and enthusiasm and support. Um, I had never seen Valley View like that. So even though we lost that game, um, that was an incredible experience to kind of cap it all off and really see all the hard work that my staff and our players had done to get us to that point. Um, but like you said, I mean, there's so many memories in four years. I could sit here for an hour and tell you, uh, you know, different <laughs> memories. But those would be two that kind of stood out in my mind, I think. That's so cool. I think sports fans understand that. It just the, the packed stadium, just kind of showing like how – I mean, that's that's the culture right there, though. You got fans that are wanting to come to these games. People are excited. The community is excited. You you helped build that. Um, sometimes that lacks for, for a long time. A lot of the programs um, – especially high school level it's a lot of its districts like based on where you live and so forth so sometimes the athletes coming over they're just not the same so you have to build that up and it takes time and patience but you built it up i think that's really cool to hear that um here's a here's a question though so now you're at the college level for those who are listening who aren't from idaho i got i mean the the podcast is worldwide but especially here in the united states i want to like give you guys an understanding of what csi is college of southern idaho it's a pretty well-known program at the JUCO level for basketball. Um, it, it's it's a nationally known, you know, basketball program. So at the at the junior college level, it is a top-notch program. Ryan, talk to us about that when you got the opportunity to apply and you actually ended up getting the position to work over at CSI. We know what CSI is all about here in Idaho. We hear about a lot of pro, uh, players that come out of there, go to D1 levels, some that even went to the NBA, and a lot that play overseas. Talk to us about how you felt going over to CSI and what the transition from the high school game has been like now at the collegiate game in preparation for games and so forth. Yeah, CSI is, you know, as good as any junior college out there. I mean, you search their history. Um, we've had more guys go to the NBA than any other junior college in America. I think we've had 16 total guys go to the NBA. Um, you know, we average anywhere from five to 10 division one players a year, several division two NAIA guys. I mean, uh, the talent is undeniable, uh, the tradition, um, the winning percentage, the league championships, the region championships, uh, the national championships. Um, you know, there's been a lot of people before our staff that have done incredible things in this program. And so, you know, I just feel lucky to be here and be a small part of that and just get to experience um, the tradition here. 
the talent level that we get to coach on a daily basis, and then the Twin Falls community. And, and the reason this school's had so much success, not just in basketball, but I mean, volleyball's won 12 championships, rodeo's won uh, 10 plus, you know, national championships. So it's, it's athletic department wide, and it's because of the community here and how much they support athletics and um, our players. And so uh, that allows us and our administrative support, obviously, from the president to the AD and, and all the way down, um, everything they do to make us competitive on a national level. Um, I feel very fortunate to be here. Obviously, being an Idaho guy, I've been able to watch, um, you know, when, when Colby Blaine was an assistant here and I went to high school with Colby and they won a national championship in 2011 um, and staying in touch with him throughout the years and coming down here for team camp, both as a player and as a high school coach and getting to see the tradition here and now being able to, you know, be in this office and work at this school. I feel really, really blessed um, to get that opportunity. And um, that wouldn't have happened if, if coach Reiner hadn't have taken a chance on me and hired me. We didn't know each other. We had several common connections, but uh, we did not know each other prior to him hiring me, which is really rare in this business to get a job uh, from a guy that you don't have a personal connection with. So um, I definitely got a little lucky, but uh, Coach Reinert at the end of the day uh, saw something in me and took a risk on me, and I'm forever indebted uh, to him for for doing that and giving me this opportunity. So it's been great so far. That's so awesome, man. It's it's super cool to see that you have this opportunity. I mean, you're taking advantage of the opportunities that are given too. I mean, it's not it's not just luck. It's uh, you definitely built yourself a resume, had some credibility going into that process of of applying. And so it's awesome to see you there now, man. Um, the junior college level, there's been a lot of in, in the sports world, a lot of um, I guess uh, a wave of I guess excitement towards the junior college level and a lot of that has to do with like i mean the media for example netflix has their series called last chance you for junior college football now they're going to be covering some college basketball at the same time so people started paying more attention the last three or four years to call like junior colleges for example and seeing how every state handles things differently at the junior college level uh some have room and board for their students some don't um we see that there's there's just different stories everywhere how would you put you know, College of Southern Idaho's experience for their their student athletes um, compared to other junior colleges across the country. Good question. I mean, it's as good as any, just to put it, you know, bluntly. I mean, we I, I just got off the phone this morning. Actually, one of our kids, um, he's starting on a Division One school in the East Coast right now, and he called me this morning and he's like, "Man, I love where I'm at, but." if I could do four years at CSI, I would do it in a heartbeat because it really has that division one feel, you know, I mean, as far as resources go, um, we have dorms on campus. So a full ride scholarship, they get a dorm room, they get a meal plan, all their meals paid. We fly them to campus. We fly them home, whether they're international or domestic, we have four international kids, couple from Australia, Canada, Mexico. Last year we had a kid from Africa. Um, so we fly them here. We fly them home. Uh, we take care of all their meals, their housing, their tuition, their books. Uh, they get gear through our Under Armour contract. So, you know, it's as far as that goes, it feels like a Division One. I. I mean, there's things obviously that are different because it's a much smaller campus and much smaller school, but they're treated like a Division One athlete and they get the coaching and the training that you would get at the Division One level because we have myself, one other full-time assistant, um, and then we have a volunteer assistant and we have two student managers. So, Anytime, day or night, these guys want to get in the gym and work out. They have all the resources they need to do that. Um, so, you know, there's other junior colleges in the country. You know, you talk about the South Plains or the Indian Hills or the Chipolas. Um, 
that have all those as well, but we're right on that same tier as, as those top, uh, you know, junior college programs as far as resources and support and all of that. So our guys are really lucky and they know that they appreciate that, which is good. That's so awesome. Now talk to us about the, the talent level. So Ryan, one of the things is a lot of basketball fans, the casual fans don't fully understand it, but the ones who understand the game, they realize like there is a lot of talent uh, at the basketball level across the, across the whole globe for that matter. Um, and just because they're put a label on there as a junior college athlete, people think, Oh, you can't, you can't compete with anybody that whatever you're a junior college athlete, which is far from the case. In my opinion, if you guys understand basketball, you'll understand there's so much talent out there. And sometimes they go to a Juco. Sometimes they go to division two. Sometimes they're at a division one. Um, NAIA's whatever. Talk to us about the talent level that you've seen since you transitioned out of a uh, high school level of, of Valley View. And you even had some, like you said, experience working with Boise State. So you've been at the collegiate level before, but coming over to a junior college compared to what you were at at Boise State and what you've seen at Valley View at the high school level, what's the talent level looking like at the junior college, not only at CSI, but the people you've played? Well, you can take the top five or 10 junior college teams every year and, um, they're competing with the low major division ones. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go beat Kentucky and Carolina and Villanova, but you put them against the low to mid major division ones and the top five or 10 junior college teams have enough talent to compete with those teams. And the biggest reason why there's probably a misconception about junior college that, um, you know, maybe they're not as talented or uh, they're not as smart of kids because, you know, they, maybe they didn't get the grades to go division one, but, you know, I couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, everybody's at junior college for a different reason. Yes, some of them had academic issues and maybe they have to uh, get their grades or their test scores up to go division one and qualify. But some of them are late bloomers and they need to uh, have another year or two to develop before they're ready to go contribute on a, a division one or division two or NAIA roster. Um, you know, some of them are transfers. We get a lot of transfers, whether it's a division one transfer or another junior college transfer um, that need a year to, uh, you know, now the rules are changing. So division ones can transfer division one to division one, one time in their career and be immediately eligible. It used to be, you know, if you were a freshman, especially a redshirt freshman, when you transferred from division one, you would almost always go JUCO because um, if you went division one, you would have to sit out that year. So that's changing. So that'll change the landscape of junior college recruiting a little bit, but um, you know, we also get a lot of international kids that uh, maybe they were in another country and their transcripts uh, don't work with what the NCAA requires. And so they have to come to junior college and get their academics straight um, and get all those qualifications that the NCAA needs before they go division one. So there's a ton of different reasons why kids go junior college. I think the thing I enjoy about it the most is so many of these kids are so appreciative. We have so many kids that come from um, very tough situations. Uh, so again, sometimes domestic, sometimes international, and they are just so, so appreciative to be here in a community that supports them um, and to have all the resources they need uh, to, you know, fulfill their dream of going on to play division one basketball and maybe one day going on to be a professional basketball player. Um, and so I, I just love the diversity that we get to see kids from all over the globe and we get to truly make an impact on their lives. And they're so appreciative of that. And so that's been, um, uh, you know, a real joy for me being able to come here every day and coach those guys. Super interesting. I love the insight too, uh, because you're right. There is a misconception of, of what 
you know, these kids are like over the JUCO level. And it's cool to see that like they do, they come from all different backgrounds. You mentioned late bloomers too. One, one of the things is I was one of those. I graduated when I was 17 years old and I was a young 17. I tell this story a lot, but um, granted, I didn't go on to play college ball. I, I felt like, I think a lot of kids are like that these days. They're late bloomers. Uh, they either graduate early or whatever, but I didn't fully like grow into my body and play my best basketball until I was 20 years old, 21 years old. When I got home from a church mission after serving two years in Brazil and I came home and my body finally had developed. And I can see that like some guys are graduating when they're like almost 19, they're 18 years old, like they're older 18s. I was a young 17. So it's literally almost two years difference. And you see the difference in your body and the athleticism and then the ability to be able to like take your game to the next level. So having like a school like at the JUCO level is so important because one, it gets you used to the collegiate game because you you have to be a student athlete. You got to go to school, keep your grades up and you're playing high quality basketball. Um, one of the things that I've always wanted to ask, and I'm glad that you're on the show is the idea of what these athletes are like. You mentioned that they're appreciative. You've mentioned that a couple of times in the interview, but you watch some of these junior colleges and a lot of them, it appears, maybe this is another misconception, but it appears that a lot of the athletes, when the season starts to go kind of downhill, um, they're not going to compete for a, a title or whatever it may be. They kind of just are all in it for themselves. They're trying to find scholarships. So they don't really care about the team aspect as much. Now it's more so get your film by the end of the year so you can get a, a scholarship to a higher school. Talk to us about that. Do you notice that at the ju junior college level where your guys are at, or do you guys feel that you guys always are playing together as a team unit and not so much as an individual? And good question. I think I think it goes back to recruiting and the culture you build and what kind of kids you bring in. I see some Division One programs in the country. There's, or not Division One, excuse me, uh, Division One junior college programs that build their rosters every year on Division One transfers. So they really want to get between six to ten Division One transfers every year. Um, and in my opinion, in our staff's opinion, we feel like you can have a few of those guys for sure. They're talented. They're experienced. They help. But when you have a roster full of them, um, it can go one of two ways. You can be really, really good. Or you have 10 guys that have separate agendas because they've already been Division One, and they all they want to do is get back to Division I. Um, and so they're willing to do whatever for themselves to get back to that. And so I think it's kind of a make-or-break mentality when you recruit that way. We definitely want to get some Division One transfers, but we also want to get the most talented high school kids we can find, which we feel like we did in this last recruiting class. Um you know, we want to go outside of the country and go find the talent that's in Australia or Africa or Canada because there's a lot of it and there's a lot of it that flies under the radar. And so and most importantly, we want to get good kids, you know, kids that fit our culture, kids that, again, are appreciative to be here. Uh, they'll accept coaching. They care about more than themselves. Um, and they're just overall good people. And so we we feel like we pride ourselves on doing maybe just a little bit of extra homework and taking our time and being really patient and being really picky during the recruiting process to not only get top-notch division one level talented kids, um, but to get good kids that fit our culture. And so, like you said, if the season, you know, last year we did not have a CSI like season. Um, we, we were 16 and 15. We lost a ton of close games. Um, but at the end of the day, those kids never quit. And we were one shot away from going to the region championship, despite uh, the year that we had. And I think a big part of that was because, yeah, we didn't have, high, high level talent. You know, we probably weren't half as talented as we are this year. We have a lot of guys that can play this year, but that team last year was special because they never gave up. And uh, 
a lot of teams may have fractured, like you just referred to, but those guys stuck together and they fought till the final whistle. And um, they were fun to coach for that simple reason that, that they responded to coaching, they stuck together till the end. So uh, a lot of different ways to do it, but that's just kind of um, our philosophy is bringing guys that fit the culture, bringing good character guys, um, and usually the rest will figure itself out. I dig that. I think that's the same for anything like sports, business, whatever. You got to bring people in that fit the culture because ultimately uh, even the most talented of people, if, if they have the wrong agenda or whatever it may be, the wrong mi mindset, it can be, like, like you said, fracture. I like that word, fracture the team. Um, tell us uh, what a day in the life is like for, for Ryan Lundgren. Like you, even today, you're, you're super busy. You got a lot of stuff going on at the collegiate level, coaching at a, you know, a junior college powerhouse like CSI. What is your day like from the morning till the evening? Well, it's, it's different every day. That's for sure. Um, you know, I got a four month old baby at home now, so that kind of changes stuff too, but I'm usually up real early helping out with the baby. Um, try to get here in the morning. I usually check classes to make sure our guys are in class and we have again, great kids that take pride in their academics. And so, um, but we just like to keep them in check, especially this time of year, end of the semester, make sure they're doing what they need to do. Um, usually meet as a staff in the morning. Um, and then I'm usually working out two to four guys uh, after that, you know, rebounding for them, putting them through drills, doing individual stuff, uh, maybe watching film with a guy in my office or uh, meeting with an academic person on campus. Um, you know, like I said, every day varies. It just kind of depends. We practice every day at 1230. We follow that up with weights. So we're done with everything by 3 or 3.30. And then, you know, maybe it's another workout with a guy or another staff meeting to discuss, you know, recruiting or um, if, if we're playing games, which we're not right now because of the pandemic, um, you know, maybe it's the upcoming opponent that we're discussing uh, or whatever that looks like. And then, you know, on a typical day, we're usually out of here by five um, during the season. Obviously, those hours extend and it's much more of a grind when we're in the day in and day out of games. But uh, right now in the fall, we're just trying to keep our guys in shape and keep them engaged because they got here on campus on August, I believe it was August 17th. Um, we've only played one scrimmage. We had scrimmages against several other teams get canceled because of the pandemic and where we're at. So these guys have been going. I mean, we've had over 50 practices um, and they haven't played against anybody else other than Montana Tech. We scrimmaged back early October. Um but they've done a great job of coming in and being engaged and just embracing it and appreciating it. Cause there's a lot of schools in the country that can't even practice. And our guys, I think understand, Hey, we're pretty lucky that we're able to come out here every day and do what we love. And so, um, you know, we send them home at the end of next week, they go home for two weeks, uh, enjoy Christmas with their families. And then they come back and we are full speed ahead. First game is January 21st. So um, we're excited for that. Man, it's just crazy. It's crazy to hear what it's like behind the scenes, especially during the pandemic. Um, a lot of people are just dealing with it. a lot of coaches, athletes having it's unprecedented. So it's it's kind of have to adjust. But that's another sports lesson, right? You have to adjust to to what the opponent throws at you. And then this it's just the world. It's it's a pandemic. You kind of have to adjust to it, but you yep. do your best to do it and be effective with it. So last question for you, Ryan, uh, so I can let you go because I know you're busy. Obviously, you just mentioned your, your schedule, but tell us what we should expect from College of Southern Idaho. This season, once you guys do get to play, what can we expect? And where can we find your guys' games? I'm assuming you probably can't have many fans there, just most like most venues can't. I mean, if you can, great. Yeah. But like, where are we able to watch those games as well? So what can we expect and where can we see you guys play? 
Well, I, you know, as far as what to expect, I'm extremely excited about this team. Um, we have 16 guys on the roster right now. Uh, we just signed a, a six, seven wing from Australia. Um, and we're bringing in two guys on uh, recruiting visits tomorrow. So um, we'll probably end up signing one more, um, which will give us 18 guys. Obviously, we're not going to probably play that many. But then again, you know, this is a free year. Everybody gets their year back of eligibility. So um, we'll have a lot of guys going in and out. And the nice thing is, you know, you go five through 18, and the talent level is not that different. I mean, they're all really good players. And so our practices have been absolute battles every day out here, which has been fun. Um, and I think our depth and also our experience, having eight sophomores um, and then having the eight freshmen plus the new two guys that we're going to bring in has given us a really good balance. Whereas last year we were three sophomores and 12 freshmen. And, and again, you look at our record and you can see why, because sophomores win at this level, experience wins at this level. And so um, I think having that balance of talented freshmen and experienced talented sophomores is going to really help us in the depth. Um, but our league is tough. You know, Salt Lake's good. Snow's good. Uh, Utah State Eastern's good. Every game's a dogfight. So, um, you know, as far as what to expect, you're going to see a really exciting uh, product on the floor. You know, as of right now, Idaho's in stage two, so we don't allow fans, but hopefully we can climb up a stage or two and allow some people in. Um, if not, all of our games are live streamed on the SWAC, that's a Scenic West Conference uh, digital network. And I think there's a small fee attached to it, but, um, you know, we have play-by-play -play commentary and, and uh, obviously we have really competitive games here in Twin Falls. So um, hopefully people are able to tune in, whether it's live or on the digital network. Um, I think people like what they see. So, Heck yeah. For everybody listening, make sure to check that out. I'll put some links here in the description so you guys can check it out. Um, catch a couple of games. CSI's got some good talent. Ryan's going to be at the helm, associate head coach over here at College of Southern Idaho. Make sure to check these guys out. I'm excited to, to see what you guys put together this season and looking forward, fingers crossed, to things getting somewhat back to normal here in the next couple of months if we can and so we can have some normalcy there too because you got to get fans in the stadiums. That's a big part of it too. But uh, Coach Lundgren, I really appreciate your time, man, and I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, this has been awesome talking to you. And again, if anybody wants to um, – continue listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe and uh, we'll be coming back to you next week with another interview. Take care. Thanks Shane. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks guys. Appreciate your support.